everyone, and welcome to Keeping Them Safe. This program is intended for us as adults to learn how to prevent child sexual abuse, to discover and become experts in creating environments where all our children are safe from those who would harm them sexually. You know, we don't talk about it a lot, but I think it's important to reinforce the message and to remind us that the statistics about child sexual abuse are alarming. Reliably, over the years, every study we've ever done reinforces the reality that one out of four female children are going to be molested by the time they're 18. And for boys, that number is one out of nine. Although that's probably low because boys don't report as often as girls do. And another alarming statistic is that almost half of those who were molested were never tell anybody until many years later. They will live their lives in a, in a sort of cocoon of shame and anger and fear and distrust that can manifest itself in many different ways some of them very destructive. Now, those who commit these crimes against our children are not the strange people we see on the street. They can be found in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and schools, in our churches, and in the homes of our closest friends and neighbors. And as much as we would like to think otherwise, and as much as people argue for a different point of view or a different reality, there is no social, economic, or ethnic group that is safe from the threat of child sexual abuse. No amount of good parenting can assure that your child's safety and there's no way to recognize a potential child molester by his or her looks or affiliations, or lifestyles. So, we could face that and see is an unrealistic dilemma that we can have no answer for. However, as adults, it is our responsibility to learn how to stop this from happening to our children. I mean, it's not just my job or your job, it's everybody's job. And the approach we take at keeping them safe is different. It's quite unique because since the 1970s, late 1970s, we have focused our efforts on teaching children to say no, to run away, and to tell someone if they are uncomfortable in any way or if something scares them or makes them feel threatened. Teaching these lessons is highly effective and something that empowers our children to be responsible for their own well-being and to learn how to take care of themselves over time. However, it is our job as adults to keep them safe. And it's, as I said, it's effective to teach them these lessons. And over the years, it's been easier to take that approach of focusing on educating our children because young children are, for the most part, a captive audience. They're in school. 
so we can provide these lessons through safety education programs. And even those who are homeschooled have collectives where they come together for different programs and we can bring this education to children there. In the process, and at the same time, we've taught adults a great deal, but our focus has been with adults on teaching them how to deal with disclosures. What do you do when a child discloses to you? And at some point in the future, I will actually speak to you about what you do about that. Because one of the things that will happen when you begin to be more observant is children will know. They'll know you care. They'll know you're paying attention. And they may come and tell you. So we've taught some adults about how to deal with disclosures. We've also taught many adults, particularly those who work with children, how to recognize the behavioral signs that the child might be a victim of abuse. And we've taught them how to report. Now, all of those things, teaching our children how to take care of themselves, how to say no, how to run away, how to tell somebody, how to be responsible for not giving into discomfort or fear and how to empower them to speak up and stand up for themselves. It's also important to teach adults how to deal with disclosures and how to recognize the behavioral signs of a child who might have been a victim of abuse. And, and it is critical that we all learn how to report and overcome our concerns about that when we have a reasonable suspicion that a child has been or is being abused. However, no matter how valued those pieces of the puzzle are, none of them will complete the puzzle because none of them prevent abuse from happening. All those things we've taught adults are ways of dealing with abuse after it happens. So ultimately, the problem with what we've been doing since the late 1970s is that it has placed primary responsibility for preventing child sexual abuse in the hands of our young children. That's why we built a new arena here. We built a whole new way of approaching this. The purpose of this program and the purpose of these episodes and this work with you is to educate you about prevention, about how to recognize and intervene in the behaviors that are exhibited by potentially risky adults, how to interrupt the grooming process and stop it before a child ever gets harmed. Now, as we've been talking about over the past few weeks, the behaviors we're pointing out in these programs are ones that we've identified as potentially risky adult behaviors. They're the behaviors that are exhibited to one degree or another by almost all of the child molesters in our environments. Learning what these behaviors are and then practicing recognizing them so that we see the world through these filters will empower us to take appropriate actions to interrupt those behaviors in any adult who's around our children in any environment. 
you know, as adults, we all have a responsibility to protect children from being harmed by another person. Child sexual abuse leaves children with emotional and physical scars that can affect them for the rest of their life. When we can recognize these behaviors that put children at risk of sexual abuse, we can interrupt the flow. We can stop the abuse before it happens. And you know, the only way to really save children from harm is to prevent sexual abuse from ever happening in the first place. So we're going to take a look today at another one of the behaviors that are predictably and reliably part of that grooming process. One of the potentially risky behaviors that predators exhibit is giving gifts to children without permission and then telling them not to tell. You know, this particular behavior is present in the grooming process virtually 100% of the time. Remember, 90% of the abuse that is committed against our children is done by people known and trusted by the children and known and trusted by us. Giving gifts without permission is one of the most effective ways a predator has of creating a relationship with a child that opens the door to the possibility of abuse. The problem for us with this particular behavior characteristic or potentially risky adult behavior is that we actually don't see the risk. In fact, some of you are probably already questioning what I'm saying. I mean, giving gifts to children isn't really harmless, is it? I mean, kids deserve to get gifts from people who care about them, don't they? Now, we would notice if a neighbor gave them a gift, if someone we didn't know very well gave them a gift, but we're talking about people they know and trust and people we know and trust giving them gifts. And they deserve gifts, don't they? Of course they do. And those kinds of gifts that are genuine gifts are not what we're talking about here. In fact, in order to really see how this potentially risky behavior threatens the well-being and safety of our children, we have to take a step back from the situation and look at a few things from a different point of view. So how do you decide what's okay and not okay when a favorite relative or a friend brings gifts to a child? The problem is that we start with that question and not the relevant one. Before we consider whether the gift given is okay or not, we need to know whether it's really a gift. Huh. What in the world does she mean here? Well, I want to tell you that the definition of a gift is something that is freely given without any expectation of anything in return for it. So a lot of things we call a gift are not really one. You know, there are strings attached to it. Maybe it's overt and maybe it's subtle. Maybe it looks like a gift and, and maybe it even seems like a fair exchange, like gifting her with that new pair of tennis shoes she wants 
if she agrees to try out for the basketball team or giving your child $2 for every A on the report card or even giving them that computer they want for their birthday, if they just promise to help you do research for that project you're working on. For many people, these look like gifts. But are they? See, it, they're not really gifts. Something of value given to another. Yes. But there's a trade-off. Now, the problem is for us, the trade-off seems just like that, a trade-off and not even a bad one. But none of those things that I mentioned are really gifts. They're negotiated terms. Even when a grandparent <coughs> says they're giving you something and it'll just be our secret, that is not a gift. That is something quite different. You could call it a bribe. You might call it a negotiated deal. You might call it any number of things. However, none of them are gifts. Remember, gifts are freely given without an expectation of anything in return. And everything we mentioned comes with strings attached, with an expectation of something in return. Not one of those things was freely given, so not one of them was a gift. Even when Grandma says, I'm going to give this to you and we'll just keep it our secret. Nope. Not only is that not a gift, but that is exactly the way a predator goes about creating that environment of secrecy. Remember, the potentially risky behavior is give gifts without permission and tell the children not to tell. So nothing we talked about a few minutes ago is actually a gift. And it's really important that we start to be able to see the line between gifts and those negotiated deals or those trade-offs so that we begin to see where to draw the line for ourselves and how we teach our children to draw that line for themselves also. So that's a valid question. Where do we look to see how to draw the gift-giving line for yourself and others? Your children know that what looks like generosity from another is really a lure intended to draw them into the trap. I think the answer to that question is simple and not necessarily easy. You know, the first thing is to remind our children and to remind ourselves that a gift is freely given with nothing expected in return. So we have to start to discover what kinds of things do people ask for in return? Silence, time. I will give you this money if you come over once a week and spend a little time with me. That is clearly a bribe. But what if you're saying to someone, look, I have a kitchen full of appliances, and I'm moving into a facility where I won't need them, you can have them if you just come up here and get them. That's a little different. They can choose. They can choose. Do I accept the gift with the conditions that come with it? 
because it is a gift. They're not asking for anything in return. They're only saying the gift is here. You have to come get it. That's different than saying, I will give it to you if you, or I will give it to you and here's what I expect. Or if you do so-and-so, I will give you this gift. It really takes something for us to begin to listen keenly to those kinds of situations and to be clear about what's a gift and what's not. There's nothing wrong with accepting something with strings attached to it. If you're okay with the strings, go right ahead. What you want to be clear about is that it's not a gift. And you want to teach your children to be clear about they are negotiating a deal. They're not getting a gift. So it means that we have to learn to distinguish between things that look like, act like, smell like a gift and come wrapped in a pretty package but have lots of strings attached to them that are conditions for getting the gift. And those things that are not gifts, they're opportunities that have conditions attached to them. There's just a big difference. And in our work, it's important for us as adults to be responsible for creating that with our children, for teaching them, for looking with them at what's a gift and what's not begin that process by looking with them when you are offering them something. When it is a gift freely given, like a birthday gift, a Christmas present, something you saw that you just them immediately when you saw it. I mean, recently I was at a fair in a a parking lot at near a church in Austin, Texas. And this vendor had the cutest different little soaps. They were all made in these funky shapes. And I saw one of them and knew immediately that one of my grandchildren would simply love that. So I got it for her for any reason. And there's nothing for her to do to get it. It's a gift I found that I know she will love, and I can't wait to get it to her. Remembering that predators give gifts without permission and expect silence in return and tell children not to tell is an important piece of the puzzle. We must remind our children that keeping secrets is not okay. Keeping secrets from parents is not okay. We are the adults. It's our job to give our children a chance to grow up in a safe environment. You know, um, you often hear nothing is certain in life except death and taxes. I kind of like to say nothing is certain in life except death and growing older. But if we learn how, To recognize the warning signs that an adult in our world is acting in a way that is potentially risky to our children, such as giving gifts without permission and telling them not to tell, we can call attention to those behaviors. We can teach our children what to watch out for in those behaviors, and we can put a stop to the situation before anybody is hurt. And that's the goal of keeping them safe. That's how we protect our children. That's how we create an environment 
where the people who have those desires about children can recognize that those feelings are wrong and get the help they need to deal with their problems before that child gets harmed. You know, there's an old saying, practice makes perfect. And the truth is, perfect practice makes perfect. And unless we continue to learn about these behaviors, unless we continue to raise our awareness about the people who want to seduce our children and how they act, and unless we continue to use these tools to develop what I call 2020 foresight in this area, we're never going to become proficient at being able to recognize potentially risky adults and intervene in order to stop sexual abuse of children before it happens. We have to become experts in identifying these potentially risky behaviors if we're going to fulfill on our promise to protect our children from predators. Being part of the world of keeping them safe, being part of these practices, taking these actions is just the beginning. It's up to us to continue to hone and develop the skills necessary to recognize potentially risky adults and to intervene to interrupt the flow that might lead to the sexual abuse of a child. If you're interested in that effort, then continue to join us on a weekly basis as we work together to create an environment where keeping them safe is the background against which our children get to live healthy, happy lives as we create an environment where there is no possibility for sexual abuse to occur. Thank you very much for joining me. I look forward to speaking with you next time. If you have questions or comments, please contact me at swdkeepingthemsafe at gmail.com.